All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, I'm speaking to you from uh, the borough of Queens in New York City. It is the 30th day of June 2020. Half of the year is gone already, and it's been a very tumultuous year, to say the least. Uh, well, certainly... One of the most tumultuous, if not the most, since I've been born in 1947. Uh, so uh, it is uh, it is quite some time that we are looking at, and uh, want to get into today's show to talk uh, with Frank Holmes and uh, Quentin Henning a little later uh, about all that's going on. Um, I do want to remind you that I am the editor of a newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, and you can subscribe to my letter. Go to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com. You can also call our office during normal work hours in New York City, 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426. And if ever there was a time to subscribe to my letter, I would suggest it's now because the junior mining stocks are really starting to fly. And I'll be talking about that more as the day, uh, as this hour progresses. I also want to encourage you to consider signing up for Chen Lin's letter. What is Chen buying? What is Chen selling? ChenPicks.com. ChenPicks.com is a place to go for, for that. Chen also follows the mining stocks, but he's uh, his real expertise, his most significant expertise, probably is in the biotech sector, and I think he's doing extremely well with that right now. Uh, in addition to the mining sector, I want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it one of the more popular shows in the Voice America Business Channel, uh, and encourage you to continue sending along questions, comments, whatever they may be. Uh, to send them along to questions for Taylor at gmail.com. We do want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Our sponsors for today's show, Great Bear Resources, Benchmark Metals, Hannon Metals, Irving Resources, Novo Resources, and Sitka Gold Corp. I must say, as I just said, if uh, ever there was a time when you need to subscribe to my letter or to other letters similar to it that focus on the junior mining sector, it is now. These, uh, these stocks are really on the rise. Great Bear is probably the most outstanding one this year for sure. Great Bear sold as low as $2.75 in U.S. money at the bottom of the market along about March when everything tanked. It was selling at over $14 today. And it's just a phenomenal deposit, that the Dixie deposit, uh, that is just continuing uh, to expand. It's hard to know where the limits are to this thing yet, both at depth and along strike. Uh, and not and two different kinds of mineralization, two different styles of mineralization there, uh, but just an extremely exciting, uh, exciting stock. And I can say that uh, 
every time I think about selling some and taking some profits, they come out with some more drill results that gets the market even more excited. Certainly, Chris Taylor will be on the show again in the not-too-distant future to, up, to update you all on what's going on there. But Chris does numerous different, uh, different things on the Internet that you can follow. He does a lot of different webinars. Uh, and so if you go to Great Bear Resources website, you can certainly keep up with all that Chris is doing. And he is just an excellent communicator in advising people, helping them understand the project and how it's unfolding. Benchmark Metals, uh, well, Benchmark Metals is another uh, new sponsor to this show. Uh, it's up from, it was low around 13 cents in U.S. money. It's now around 40 cents. That was earlier this year, 13 cents to 40 cents, like 170% rise. It's done extremely well. It, it is now starting to, it is just now starting to uh, to, to drill on its project, uh, the Lawyers Project up in the Tutagon region of uh, of uh, British Columbia, uh, they are targeting a five-plus million gold equivalent ounce resource, and most of the work that they're going to be doing this year will be infill drilling to try to uh, get the data points they need to uh, to be able to uh, produce a resource of that size. Uh, and they also, though, beyond that, uh, have other very exciting targets in the same region. But Benchmark Metals, I think, is a stock that is not yet recognized uh, by the markets, and I think with with good drill results, and I expect they will be, um, given the fact that they're doing infill drilling, uh, I think the, the logic uh, suggests that they probably will be quite quite good. We'll have to wait and see for sure. The company is, uh, is uh, its drill program is up to around 50,000 meters. It's the largest drill program in that area, uh, and this is one I think you definitely want to keep your, your eyes on. Hannon Metals Another sponsor of this show uh, has discovered, as, as we've talked about, the sedimentary hosted very large-scale copper-silver deposit in Peru. And uh, Mike Hannon was, has been uh, – uh, Mike Hudson has been on this show to talk about it in the past. I just recently did an interview with Mike Hudson, and he was also uh, on the Metals Investor Forum where he talked about that company's project, and you can learn more about that. Of course, I talk about these companies – uh, whenever there's news, every week I put out my newsletter and let people know uh, the latest news and also my views on on, the, on these uh, on these various companies. Now, Irving Resources, it's just an amazing story. Uh, they put out some great news just this past week, a couple of different news releases that are extremely important. And I'm not going to say more about that now because Quinton Henning is going to be with me right after the first commercial break in just a few minutes from now. Uh, to talk more about that. Quinton is an advisor, uh, a technical advisor to Irving Resources, and he is also on the board of directors. Uh, but they uh, they have some really uh, big companies uh, coming into the picture now. Uh, they have a strategic ar- uh, agreement with Newmont, and uh, I believe they've also just signed on uh, with Sumitomo. Uh, and so I picked up another very significant project. This is a company that I think you really, really need to keep an eye on. I think it has uh, great upside potential. And, of course, all of these companies are doing better in this environment where they can raise money and put holes in the ground. Uh, this is a time that junior mining companies can make people a lot of money. Novo Resources, uh, also uh, a sponsor of this show, continues uh, to, uh, to progress, even though people aren't really aware, I think, as much as they should be about what's going on. You really need to pay attention to this one. 
Dr. Quentin Henning will be uh, on with us in the not-too-distant future to talk more about what's going on there. I actually believe that this, this is a story that's going to be more exciting once people start to understand the scope and the grades and the potential economics that are involved with this massive uh, conglomerate gold belt. Uh, three different styles of mineralization that Novo is working towards bringing into production. I expect they could actually start to see some production before the end of the year or near the end of the year anyway. Uh, things are progressing very, very well. And uh, Dr. Henning will be on with us on uh, another day to talk about Novo Resources. And last but not least, Sitka Gold Corp is a company that I think really needs to be paid attention to. Sitka has now increased uh, its value by about 300% this year, but it's still, uh, I can tell you that I doubled my own personal position today by paying 15 cents for Sitka, but it's got three different projects that it's drilling, will have drilled this year, uh, and um, it's drilling on a Carlin-style Nevada target, uh, Carlin-style target in Nevada uh, that, um, you know, in another few weeks or so, uh, if we start getting some good news from that, uh, from that drill program, I think the stock could really do extremely well. Um, in any event, these are just a, a, a few of the current uh, sponsors. I just mentioned the sponsors of this show right now. There are other stories that are doing extremely way well. I should say in my newsletter, Galway Metals is up 14% today. This is an extremely exciting story, expanding a gold, high gold, um, structurally contained gold deposit in New Brunswick. Very exciting story. Uh, so these are just some of the reasons you need to sign up for my newsletter, either myself or the other uh, folks that write uh, at the Metals Investor Forum. Uh, but you can sign up for my letter by going to miningstocks.com. So I've been writing about gold mining shares since 1981, and I have to say uh, that there has never been a time that I have been more bullish than I am right now about this sector. Now, that's not to say I'm I'm completely pleased about everything else that's going on in the world. There's a lot of things that really alarm me, but in fact, that's one of the reasons you own gold is uh, to protect yourself against downside risks. I might just quickly mention that Michael Oliver, uh, in his last weekend message, in his missive, noted that if we should close, if gold should close above 1775 uh, this month, that his uh, his momentum indicators are suggesting uh, that we should be off to new highs. And, uh, well, it's just a few hours left in this month. Uh, I see the gold was on the spot anyway, 1783. So it looks like we could clear that hurdle, in which case Michael believes we're on to much higher gold prices. Now, I've titled today's show Frank Holmes on Airlines and Gold Stocks. And Frank will be with me in the second uh, half of today's show. Dr. Quentin Henning will be with me in just a moment or two after our first commercial break. Um, you know, as you know, Frank Holmes has headed the U.S. Global Family of Funds for quite a few years. Uh, more recently, he has uh, he instigated or set it up set up two different uh, ETFs. One is a gold ETF, uh, trades in uh, New York under the symbol Go. Well, it's GoAU, G-O-A-U, and the other is an airline stock, an airline ETF, and that's Jets, J-E-T-S. We'll be talking to Frank about both of those industries and about those ETFs. Certainly, if you want to uh, see a di two divergent industries, you have to think uh, there's nothing much more opposite than the airlines industry and the gold sector right now. So, but we'll hear. Uh, want to hear what Frank has to say about that, about the conditions that exist right now, the political, geopolitical issues around COVID-19, 
and a host of other issues that we'll be talking to Frank Holmes about uh, right after uh, this would be during the second half of the show. But right now we need to go to our first commercial break because Quentin Henning is going to be back with us to talk about the amazing Irving Resources story. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Quentin Henning. Noble Resources Corp. trades on the OTCQX under the symbol NSRPF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol NVO. Its flagship assets are located in the Pilbara region of Western Australia. Novo has recently partnered with Sumitomo Corporation of Japan to evaluate, advance, and develop the company's Australian gold projects. With over $40 million in cash and $60 million committed from Sumitomo, Novo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia. Benchmark Metals is a gold-silver exploration company that is embarking on its largest program to date on the Lawyers Project with up to 50,000 meters of resource expansion and definition drilling planned in 2020. The multi-million ounce potential project is expected to have a new mineral resource estimate and PEA study completed in 2021. The company is backed by the Metals Group management team and believes this aggressive program will be complemented by one of the strongest commodity bull markets in decades. Visit BenchmarkMetals.com and subscribe to follow their success. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Dr. Quinton Henning. And most of you know Dr. Henning by now. He's been on the show numerous times to talk about Novo and Irving and, and a couple of other companies that he is uh, advisors to. Um, but um, he is he's really here today to talk to, about Irving Resources. And, um, and, and this is really an amazing story. Irving Resources is involved in Japan. They're uh, developing uh, some very unique gold projects, gold gold deposits over there, uh, and uh, similar ones in, in Japan have been extremely profitable, and uh, these these uh, projects that Quentin and Irving Resources are working on are very similar to those, uh, and so uh, I am very upbeat, very excited about Irving Resources, and they've had some news since we last talked to Quentin on April 24th about Irving uh, that we want to uh, catch up with him on today. Thanks for joining me again, uh, Dr. Henning. Thank you, Jay. You know, um, I think it's important. Um, it, actually, Quentin, I think almost every project you get involved with is somewhat unique. I mean, every project is unique. Don't get me wrong. But but it's a magnitude different, I would say. The kind of projects that, I mean, I guess, I guess you could say that the project that Irving has uh, is not different from what's been used, uh, the, the, what's been mined before. Uh, but let's focus on Irving. Uh, today and talk about um, the business model that Irving Resources has and 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 how it's unique. 
Absolutely. Look, that's a, that's a key element. And you're, you're correct. I, lo- I do like different or unusual uh, exploration plays. I, I usually like things that have not been drill tested, you know, things that are truly new and could, you know, uh, provide a new deposit, you know, a future mine mm-hmm. for this industry. Okay, in the case of Irving, what we're exploring for is not a deposit unknown to you know, most people. This, these are epithermal vein deposits. Okay, there's mm-hmm. many, many epithermal vein districts around the planet Earth, and there's uh, certainly a, a large number around the Circum Pacific. So basically, we're in the Ring of Fire. Uh, as people know, Japan is a volcanic island, uh, and along with volcanism, you get hot springs, you get fluids that are heated by magmas that are at a shallow depth. And those fluids can circulate upwards, and as they do so, they carry gold and silver, you know, and a few other things with them, and precipitate those within veins uh, near surface. All right, so so why is that important? Well, Japan is ripe for this type of deposit. You have several very well-known uh, gold mines, either uh, you know historic or in operation right now. Hishikari, for example, in Kyushu is probably the single highest grade gold deposit in operation on planet Earth today. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they mine these epithermal veins, and they ship the ore. This is where it gets interesting. Instead of processing through a conventional mill, they ship the ore to smelters. Okay, a smelter is a place where they basically roast and cook uh, base metal concentrates, like copper or lead or zinc concentrates, and they roast them to a point where they remove uh, elements that are combined with the base metals and thus reduce the metal to, to produce a, a more pure product. Okay, now, as part of that, uh, you know, that processing, they need what's called flux. Okay, flux is basically silica. Silica is a, a mineral. It's uh, basically silicon oxide, and they put it into the furnace, and when they cook the sul- base metal sulfides with the silica, it, it does a number of things. First of all, it, it helps retain heat because it's like a blanket. Uh, it helps uh, facilitate uh, the, the uh, actual melting of the material itself. It removes some of the impurities and things like that. But ultimately, that silica actually ends up as part of the molten material inside the furnace. And guess what? Things like gold and silver come out of it. <laughs> what do they do? They go into the copper or into the lead or zinc or whatever they're refining and they drop down to the bottom of the, the uh, smelter furnace, and then when they take that metal out of the furnace, guess what? The gold and silver come with, okay? So, mm-hmm. so the gold and silver are effectively produced as a byproduct of smelting, all right? And this is a wonderful thing because that means when you find one of these deposits, you can develop the deposit uh, without having to build conventional mills, without having you know the, the need for tailings disposal and all, all sorts of things like this. At Hishikari, when you drive up to the mine, you would think it was a widget factory. There's no waste piles. There's no, you know, tailings disposals. Nothing. Okay, you dr- drive up. It's a few buildings uh, next to a rice field, and guess what? That's a world-class gold mine in operation. Now, when I saw Hishikari for the first time, I thought, my gosh, what a wonderful uh, thing to have. You know, a mine. Uh, and by the way, the costs are commensurate with that. That uh, you know, the the lack of need to uh, process, right? So you have, uh, you remove a huge amount of capital needed to build a mill you also reduce the cost of processing dramatically in fact smelter flux has a value the silica itself mm-hmm. has value of say 30 to 50 dollars us per ton wow yeah 
all right, so let's let's find another Hishikari. Okay, that's what I, I mean. I, you know, a, a deposit that large, that's a tough task. But what I'm getting at is let's go find smelter flux deposits. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's our business model. We're looking yeah. for epithermal veins that are high in silica, ideally suited for smelter flux, uh, particularly in Japan. Okay, because if, if we operate in Japan, you can mine this stuff, put it on a boat, and ship it very easily anywhere mm-hmm. in the country. Mm-hmm. So, so you so so you mine out you mine out the the gold the veins that are hosted in silica material, mm-hmm. and it's not only the high grade value of the gold and silver that's there, but also the the surrounding material, and you yeah. don't have to do anything more than just mine it and put it on a boat, ship it to the smelter. That's correct. So you have to kind of shift gears when you think about this. Okay, mm-hmm. um, it, around these veins, oftentimes you get solidification. In other words, the fluids that deposited the gold and silver permeate out into the wall rock and they they basically convert the wall rock to silica so when you mine these things you you're actually diluting it with we'll call it uh you know silica flux but you know there's also low-grade gold and silver within that disseminated wall rock uh-huh. too so it's not like you're you're taking a huge uh you know incurring a huge loss through mine dilution you're actually mining a product okay mm-hmm. and that's remarkable mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, Quentin, on June 25th, uh, you put out a drill, some drill results from your Umuai mine site. Um, it's 100% owned. That's part of your Umu gold project uh, located in Hokkaido. That's in northern Japan. Now, you were, you were quite excited about that. Can you explain why? You were excited about the results. I just sensed it in, in talking with you the other day. But can you explain to me and to our listeners why you think this is really a very significant um, assays that you pulled out of there. Sure, and it's more to do with what we're seeing in holes two and three at Omui right now. Okay, so um, we started drilling at Omui a few weeks ago. We finished hole one. Uh, hole one was meant to offset hole 10 from last year. We saw numerous veins in hole 10. We thought we would see those in hole one. We did hit high grade vein. Uh, we are awaiting some assays from deeper in the hole, but in general, what we found is that we drilled down the foot wall of the vein system. The vein system's trending more uh, northwest to southeast. Therefore, the hole wasn't positioned quite right. It's one of those things you learn sometimes in exploration. Sure. Okay? Mm-hmm. But, but what's really exciting is holes two and three, which are, are drilled considerably to the southeast from hole mm-hmm. one, uh, encountered wonderful-looking veins. We have numerous veins in both holes, and most importantly, in hole three, which is uh, about, I think, uh, I don't know, six or 700 meters southeast from hole one, there, is, uh, a, there are a number of very wide vein intercepts. Okay, people were saying, oh, my gosh, these are narrow veins. No, 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 no. Look at the photographs in the news release. We hit some very nice wide veins, you know, three meters. There was one intercept that was nearly 18 meters, I believe, was solid vein material. Wow. Okay, so all of a sudden we're talking very large volume of rock, we don't have assays, but uh, visually it's quite exciting to see this. It also means that we're starting to hone in on what could be the more more of the core of the system, where you know we we can make a you know we'll call it the, the discovery hole, you know the eureka moment. So mm-hmm. very pleased with what we're seeing. We are we just laid out four more holes uh, to drill in a succession after we're finished with the current hole number three, and we're going to drill a, a shallower one above it. And then we're going to step out to the south or to the east a bit and drill uh, some holes that would be the natural extension to the southeast, uh, you know, be- angled back. So they'll cut, hopefully cut this vein, newly discovered vein system again, 
and give us a, uh, start to give us a sense of size. We're very excited. Our, our you know, the, the Newmont shareholder that we have working with us, uh, you know, Newmont's a shareholder, now super. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're very excited by what we're seeing. Uh, you know, we, we truly think we're, we're on to something. Hmm. Really fascinating. Um, I, I guess I'll ask you real quickly if you can just discuss, is there a chance that you'll have more, uh, more drill rigs uh, on the project anytime soon? Because as, as one of our listeners suggested, this really deserves more than, than, one, than one or two drill rigs. Anybody that knows me knows that I would put more drill rigs on there in a heartbeat if I could. Now, there's some challenges. Okay, we have a Canadian drill contractor on site. Canadians cannot go and come and go to Japan right now. COVID, okay, mm-hmm. big problem. So basically, the drillers who are on site, they agreed with Irving that they would stay there for the duration. And unfortunately, these guys might be there for months, okay? It is just that type of, of situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, the problem is if we bring a new rig in, we can't pull in more drillers out of Canada, okay? So, so what we're doing right now is we're looking at uh, alternatives within Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might have a couple of leads, but it's not going to be a quick fix. I'll warn people because Japan does not have a, a well-structured exploration uh, industry right now, okay? They have just a handful of drill contractors, and most of them are doing you know, geotechnical work and stuff like this. So, yeah. so, but we, we do have one or two possibilities there. We are looking around at any other drill contractors who might have a drill in Japan. Yes, we're looking at it, but I'm not going to say we have a solution right now. Mm-hmm. As much as I'd love to have two or three or four rigs going, we're not quite there yet. And, you know, that's a problem we face in this new corona land. Yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, uh, I know you'll do the best you can there, and I know everybody's really excited to see to see more drills. Uh on June 23rd, you announced that you signed a term sheet for an option to acquire the historic Yamagano mining license. Um, can you talk about that? <laughs> oh, boy. This one, I, I've been waiting for a year to talk about this, Jay. It took a while to structure this, okay? First of all, the Yamagano mining lease, so basically the core of this district, uh, it was held by the Shimatsu family. They're the, like the Rockefellers of Japan, okay? This is a very well-known family. When They go clear back to the Edo period. You know, the, the Shimatsu backed the emperor. You know, they were samurais and, and so forth. So, look, this is a, a very historic moment. Nobody, nobody has done a deal on this property. Okay, here we are, little dinky Irving, Akiko Levinson, bless her heart, uh, had tea with these folks and hit it off. Okay, they got a deal done. We also stake the ground immediately adjacent. We now control what is one of the best targets and nearer to Hishikari. It's only a few kilometers southwest of Hishikari. My goodness. For a junior company to pull this off is unbelievable. Now, on the back of that, Jay, the Sumitomo Corporation helped us get that deal done. I Uh won't go into details because we don't have much time. Sumitomo has now come in alongside Newmont. As a shareholder, they've announced that we announced the placement on Friday after we got all this, this news out. They came in as a shareholder. Now we have two gorillas in the room. We got Newmont, we got Sumitomo Corporation, and guess what? Irving is set. Mm-hmm. And they are, and they're both shareholders. Correct. And they're, they're also working with you, uh, uh, I guess, technically as well. Correct. Yes. Right. Um, well, this is really exciting, Quentin. And so, what, as the year goes on, then what should what should uh, listeners really be focused on? 
you know, look in the in the very short term, look for uh, results from those those holes that I just talked about, two and three at at uh, Omui, but also look for the future holes we're going to drill. I think we'll see some very exciting stuff as we hone in on on the guts of this thing. Uh, as far as other work, uh, we will go back to Omu Center later this year. I think we've also sorted some stuff out down there. Our brains have figured out where to go. Okay, so lots of drilling uh, coming up, albeit with one rig for now. We are looking at bringing, uh, doing some more geophysical work if we can get access to or get some uh, people lined up within Japan to undertake it. Uh, and then, Yama, you know, that would include Yamagano. Look, we'll have some uh, news flow out of Yamagano hopefully later this year as well. Wow, lots of things to be excited about. Um, I, I should mention uh, another question that was asked by a listener has to do with probably a question that would be more appropriate for, uh, uh, for Akiko, uh, the president of the company, Akiko Levinson. Wow, I mean, she is really, uh, she is really wonderful, is, isn't she, in terms of her ability to, to communicate uh, with the Japanese and, and get things done. Um, and you and Akiko have worked together in other projects, uh, not just in Japan, elsewhere. Um, sure. But the question has to do with a full listing in the U.S. I mean, the, the, uh, the investor is a little bit annoyed because it's difficult to have the same information that the Canadians have. I know this isn't really your, uh, your cup of tea, but I just mention it, and maybe we'll, I'll ask... Uh, Akiko about that and see what the plans might be for, uh, for maybe a, f- a more um, a more complete listing in the U.S. Because I know we can't see what the bid and the ask is or the size of the the size of the uh, of the bid and ask and all that's information that's a, it's obviously valuable to to traders. Uh, anything else, Quentin? I, I think that's uh, pretty well, pretty much covered it. Anything else you'd like to conclude with? Because we do have another minute or two. You you know, look, uh, one of the things about Japan is this. Um, the country is uh, in an interesting position. You know, the population is aging. A lot of people ask me, you know, can you mine in Japan? I would say yes. Uh, if you look at the, the situation we're in in Omu, the town welcomes us. Our main office is straight across from the mayor's office, okay? Akiko and the mayor know each other by first name. Um, they love to see us. They love to see us, uh, you know, the prospect that there might be a whole new industry set up within their town. Uh, mining is now welcome. Any discussion around, you know, sensitivities in that regard, pretty much by and large, not an issue at this point. Kyushu even, you know, where we've got Yamagano. Also, I, I see, uh, you know, the need in Japan. They, they really want to see some growth, uh, industries that are, are going to grow. And, and mining's low-hanging fruit for them. They have a lot of potential. Uh, we are one of just a handful of operators in Japan exploring for new deposits. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I feel quite welcome there. I feel like with open arms. Look at look at Sumitomo Corporation, one of the biggest companies in Japan. And here they put money in dinky little Irving. My goodness. I mean, yeah. that speaks volumes. Well, it speaks volumes, I think, of, of their confidence in your work as well as uh, Akiko's connections and her. Uh, she is one of the nicest people that I've ever met. I, I know you know her very well. Yep. And very respected. Everybody everybody loves Akiko Levinson, I think. So it's... Uh, it's it's really a, it's really a great story and um, thank you so much, Quentin, for being with us again, explaining this to us. And well, I hope we can have you back on sometime soon when there's some more news. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Jay. Take care. Alrighty, okay, you too, Quentin. All right, folks. Well, we do have to go to break, but don't go away. Frank Holmes will be with me uh, from U.S. Global. We're going to ask him about two industries, both really divergent industries. One is the airline industry, which seems to be heading south, and the gold mining industry, of course, which is really 
uh, ascending very nicely. So we'll be right back with Frank Holmes after the break. Great Bear Resources, trading under GBR on the TSX and GTBDF on the OTCQXQXQX is a gold exploration company focused on their 23-kilometer flagship Dixie project in the prolific Red Lake Mining District of Ontario. Having recently made multiple high-grade gold discoveries, GBR is fully funded to complete a very active 200,000-meter drill program through to the year 2021. Stay up to date on what's been considered one of the best-performing exploration stocks in the last two years by visiting greatbearresources.ca. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Frank Holmes. And I'm guessing most of you know who Frank Holmes is. Most of you who listen to this show on a regular basis certainly do. But we are getting new people on the show now with the gold uh, with the gold price picking up and gold shares starting to make people a lot of money. Uh, there are some people that are starting to enter into this space that haven't been here before. So I should tell you that Frank Holmes is the CEO and Chief Investment Officer of U.S. Global Funds. Uh, it specializes in natural resources and emerging market investing, but it also, uh, they have a couple of ETFs, um, and one is uh, for the mining industry, and uh, that's GoAU, Go Gold, GoAU is a symbol, and the other is uh, for the airline industry is Jets. That's kind of a, a, kind, of a cute, uh, uh, kind of a cute symbol for that industry, and uh, thanks for joining me again, Frank. It's really good to have you with me again. It's great to be back, Jay. Yeah, it's a, I, I suppose um, you, down there in Texas, are you uh, operating in the office or are you in your home or what? No, I, I'm at the office and uh, we have a, a, a very small contingency. Uh-huh. Uh, we have plan A and B, so people can stay home uh, if they want this week, in particular mm-hmm. because there's been a surge. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, uh, people come in the office, and I would say we have a skeleton staff mm-hmm. uh, in investments. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, anyway, I would like to just get. Uh, we want to get into both uh, both of those industries, the mining industry and the uh, and the airline industry, and, and what your take is on those. But uh, before we do that, I'd just like to get your general take on this tumultuous year, Frank. I I mean, I'm I think just slightly older than you, maybe a few years older than you, and I can't remember a year that's been more traumatic, more uh, tumultuous. And I lived through the 1960s when. Um, the Vietnam War and the and the cities were burning and so forth, but this this seems a magnitude more serious to me. What what's your take on? We started out with, uh, you know, attempting to uh, to to get rid of the president. Uh, then we had COVID nineteen, and now the uh, and now the the problems in the cities. What's what are your thoughts? Well, I, I just think it's I've never seen it before. Um, such a uh, collective group, both 
in in within America and outside of America going after the president. I've just never yeah. seen it. Um, I, I've just it's just amazing. I never saw it with Bush. I never saw it with Clinton um, and Obama. But it's unprecedented um, that you have such a collective, you know, anti. No matter what he does, mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's a sideshow of attacking. So I, um, uh, I, I've just never seen it before. Uh, you're right, and uh, and it's just what it is. With social social media, has sort of changed that. Um, and and I think that we're seeing, you know, that he's being blamed for uh, changing the media or whatever. But really, a lot of those rules, I saw it with Facebook, and um, uh, they stopped all crypto mining advertising, and then they came up with their own coin, Libra. Yeah. So uh, they're talking from their own book, and yeah. the fact that they're, they have billions of followers, uh, you know, it, it's it's amazing to see. Um, what the political agenda is, but most important, Jay, is that I like to go back and have these case studies done and mm -hmm. look at the world, and it really doesn't matter who the political party is, it's all about government policies, and government policies are a precursor to change, mm -hmm. uh, and and so I think that we're in this next big wave for gold and, and gold stocks, um, and I think that remains very, very bullish for it. Um, some of the unexpected consequences of the COVID knockdown and everyone staying at home um, has been what, what you see is, is these new millennials and something like 80% of the checks they received from the government um, uh, during the uh, months of uh, uh, March and April and May uh, went back into trading stocks. <laughs> uh, uh, we saw uh, Schwab and TD um, Waterhouse make announcements that in the month of March, they both opened a little over 600,000 new uh, online traders. And Robinhood, which is to me the most fascinating because there's been a couple million going there. And, and for gold investors, if you go to the toolbar at um, uh, Fidelity's uh, discount broker or Schwab, uh, a, a TD Waterhouse, it doesn't really matter. Uh, none of them have a toolbar that includes gold. But, yeah. but, but Robin Hood does. Ah. And, and so we found out that uh, in our journey with our Jets ETF, we had unprecedented growth during the month of March, April, and May. And it's been a blessing for me because I saw the ETF Jets have, and then all of a sudden, millions and millions of dollars started flowing into that and it had a 70-day run of unprecedented fund flows of 1.5 billion dollars into Jets ETF. Ah. And, and interesting when Buffett at the beginning of March said he increased his exposure by the end of uh, um, the month going into April after his, uh, uh, his annual meeting, he had sold all of his airlines. Well, it didn't really matter because the millennials kept buying, uh, <laughs> and and what happened was is that they caught a a, a almost a three month basing in the airlines as they accumulated and accumulated, and then the stock surged over fifty percent. Mm. 
So there was lots of um, negativity of them coming in, but so far I haven't seen, you know, people try to write negative stories like they do about President Trump. There's the same type of negative stories of millennials coming in to speculate. And I think actually it's really healthy because an ecosystem uh, has to have minnows besides the tunas and the whales and the sharks, uh, sure. uh, the barracudas. It has to have a complete ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think you know that's very positive and constructive overall. Um, we um, uh, saw it also in going into GoAU, uh, a growth as gold has been going up, more and more money going into GoAU through Robinhood. You can get that downloaded every day to take a look at those names. Mm-hmm. And we saw also an increase in the in the GLD, the bullion ETF, uh, each day, uh, just growing number of uh, retail investors to Robinhood buying uh, GLD and buying GoAU. So we're happy to see that in addition to Jets. And, and the number is, Jay, is 40,000 people came in. Oh, wow. The Robinhood through yeah. that, uh, that uh, almost three-month run. Uh, wow. Particular, uh, you saw it in April and May. That two, Those two months was the big growth in the number of people coming in before uh, the airlines exploded on the upside. A lot of it was fueled by short covering, big short positions on, on uh, American Airlines, um, and they announced they're going to expand their operation. But also what's really important is the use of a new data point and every day the TSA uh, produces a, a number of how many people they screen. Uh-huh. And, uh, a year ago it was running at 2.7 million people a day and it collapsed to April the 14th I think to just under 90,000 oh. and and this week it's gone through 600,000. So we're up sixfold in the number of people flying daily um, which is, I think, really positive and constructive domestically. And it's so important because one in 15 jobs is airlines related. And and what the, the governments have learned uh, is that for after uh, 9-11 and after 2008-2009, they weren't fast enough of, of reigniting the airline industry and getting people flying. And it's really important because it drives other jobs like mm-hmm. Vegas, 90% of the people that fly to Vegas fly in. That's how sure. they do Well, they have 200,000 empty beds in April and 300,000 people laid off. Uh, so all of a sudden, all flights are going to Vegas and we're starting to see an uptick in people getting rehired in the workplace. So I, I think the government's done a, an incredible job of sponsoring the industry. And a lot of the, uh, it wasn't really bailout money, it was another form of unemployment insurance by giving the money to the airlines so that they don't have to go rehiring, which is a longer process. Everybody was sitting ready, anticipating the turnaround to be able to go back to work. So these are really positive things during this this breakdown that uh, of the economy. Mm-hmm. Well, those are some things that Donald Trump did, uh, his administration did, and of course, uh, he's not going to get any credit for anything. So that's just oh, the way it is. That, uh, it, there's no doubt uh, that's what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. So, Frank, let me ask you then. So the, I mean, I don't know. I haven't been on an airplane since March when we came back from our son's wedding in uh, in Oakland, California, and back to New York here. Um, and that was just, just in time because that's right after that is when they shut things down. 
uh, I don't know if I'd want to fly right now. I mean, you would have to wear a mask the whole way across the country. I mean, I hate wearing those masks, frankly. Um, you know, have you been on an airplane, on a commercial airplane recently? Oh, I've not been, um, but I, uh, I I totally understand it because a lot of people aren't that keen, Jay. Yeah. You know, it, uh, um, and what's interesting for me is having jets, uh, is the largest airport in the world is public. It's in Turkey, Istanbul. Oh. And, uh, you won't believe what they've done. I mean, they are using UV, which kills 100% of the virus, uh, for all your luggage. They screen all your luggage. And uh-huh. your passport uh, goes into a screen that reads it, but it also has UV light, and it cleans your passport. Uh-huh. And, uh, they have, like, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, uh, masks on with people with glasses with dark faces on, but there's computer screens that they're walking around reading, and they can see body temperatures. Huh. Uh, and they're screening body temperatures so that people, if they didn't... Uh, make the first test they can see them and also for people that it's automatically measuring if they're not six feet apart and they walk up to them and say please separate uh and and it's really for your protection and mine because we really the serious thing is a lot of people are not that clean yeah well i'd say so you think that's going to happen more i mean this is a private uh, privately owned airport uh, in turkey you're saying they it's um I mean, it's. You think this is something we're going to see more of that technology in all the airports, or what? I think so, and I think it's a whole thing to make you feel safe, and uh, that you can walk around. And uh, they don't want anyone going on an airplane that hasn't had a. They're uh, going through that TSA. They can quickly do an infrared screen and just hit your forehead, and it's within three seconds, and they know if you have a temperature. Yeah. Well, Darn, wouldn't you want to know if you're flying beside someone with a 102 temperature? You'd rather believe it. Absolutely. Sneezing, coughing, wheezing, everything else. Uh, anyway, uh, so, so, you're, so uh, Frank, I see that your ETF, Jets, is up from, a, I think, around $12.16 at its low to, I saw, sixteen seventy today. So it's made a nice, a nice run, but far below where it was before the uh, COVID. Oh, yeah, it, was, it went from 30 down to 12, bounced to 21. And now it's going through that normal pullback. But what's interesting, Jay, on the three big case studies is that after 9-11, the airline industry jumped uh, 80% over six months. Mm -hmm. And after SARS in Asia, 2003, the airlines in Asia jumped 120% over six months. And after 2008-9 meltdown, from March of 2009 till September, uh, the airlines jumped to 80%. So there's lots of millennials have done this research and they're looking for that big move over six months, which is interesting that they're much more tech savvy and going back and looking at those cycles. Uh, but what you have to realize is that in those waves of surging, uh, you have these incredible uh, 10 to 15, 20% corrections. So it's not straight up. It's very, very volatile. Uh, the airlines industry has always been more volatile than the S&P and trades more like gold stocks because of oil. Oil is more yeah. volatile than gold stocks uh, by a wide margin. But uh, as an expense, oil is so much lower now, uh, yeah. so it's not having a big impact. But I think we're going to have to live with the volatility, and I think these airlines have uh, much more upside because we're seeing more people fly. Well, well, I'd say you would think so, but COVID-19 has to be taken care of, I would think, or at least people losing the fear of it because that's part of it. But, but again, if you can, uh, you know, if you can 
put in some of these technologies to reduce the risk of it. Uh, I, I honestly think also, I mean, maybe I get myself in trouble for saying it, but I honestly believe there's a lot of hype uh, and maybe overstatement about how serious it is because it's it's really older people, you know, where people haven't been taken care of in New York City. Or, I mean, in New York State, our governor put old people, demanded that they go back into nursing homes when they were sick, and that was a disaster. Uh, yeah, so, so you know, Frank, I, anyway, um, we'd like, with the time we have left here, so you're bullish longer term on the airlines, I take it. We can sort of leave it at that for now because I want to ask you about gold. Jay, it's a data point. You know, the median age is 82. Uh, anyone younger than that usually has other complications uh, yeah. like lupus, uh, high blood pressure, or diabetes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and for the black population, sickle cell anemia, it, they have that. They just, uh, because it's a blood disease, and, and this is a blood disease, are much more impacted. So uh, I think that it's been mismanaged, there's no doubt, and it's been weaponized by politicians. Yeah. Trash, but that's what it is. But let's talk about the case studies on gold. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's do that because that's an ups- I mean, that definitely, that's, uh, it looks like we're having some fun in this industry now, Frank. And GoAU. First of all, tell our listeners about GoAU, how it might be different from some of the other ETFs, the go- gold mining ETFs. What I noticed was that the GDXJ, which is the bogey for me to beat, yeah. um, has all these juniors in it, and they just greatly underperformed bullion. Like, let's talk about bullion. Bullion, since 2000, since 2000, has outperformed the S&P by 2 to 1 and has outperformed Berkshire. And year-to-date, it's outperformed Berkshire. So, give me a long-term or short-term, it's outperformed Buffett who doesn't like or believe in gold. Uh, <laughs> That's right. And, and so, and Franco, Nevada has far outperformed in the past decade Berkshire Hathaway or the S&P or Bullion. So what we saw was that a lot of the constituents that make up the GDXJ um, have management, which have done a lot of dumb deals, where they, where they diluted those important factors that bring in generalists, and they are revenue per share. Two gold mining stocks come together, and if you destroy the revenue per share, uh, immediately those stocks get sold down. If you mm-hmm. destroy the cash flow per share, so those deals have to be accretive, and they've not been, or they financed and went to develop a mine which had bad economics, and they never developed, they never delivered the revenue per share, and those stocks got crushed. So something like f- almost 40% of the GDXJ's constituents had diluted the value factor. So I said, okay, I'm going to come with a quant approach. I'm only going to have a basket of 25 names, and as soon as the management does something dumb, they're out. I'll go down to, to a $200 million market cap, uh, and and then for 30% of the portfolio are the three royalty companies because they just have a superior business model. And only Franco, Nevada, where they have $24 million of revenue per employee, or we want to own Barrick and Newmont, which have um, $600,000 of revenue per employee. Franco Nevada is much more efficient, and uh, it's outperformed over time, Newmont uh, and Barrick. So I want to have where you have 30% is always rebalancing each quarter. That's Wheaton, River, that's uh, Franco Nevada, and Royal Gold. And then it has the other companies. And what's interesting is that the Franco Nevadas, et cetera, they look more like a Microsoft. They have this recurring revenue, the SaaS model, and they continuously pile cash. They have 80% gross margins. They have free cash flow. They have the capacity to increase dividends. So 
I like that that model, and I like uh, so when we back tested this model, this concept, it outperformed the GDXJ 92% of the time on rolling 12-month periods. We launched it three years ago, and it's done that. It's outperformed the GDXJ year to date uh, from the lows in March. It's outperformed it, uh, and it's outperformed it over the past three years. So. I'm thrilled about having that model uh, mm -hmm. as a way to, you know, screen and 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 cherry pick these stocks uh, every quarter. Yeah, you've pretty much doubled. Uh, I see 1080, 1085 or something like that in March in the low, and I saw earlier today at 12, 2069 or something like that. So it's it's been a good move for sure. But I think uh, we're just. It seems to me we're just getting started here, Frank. But what, so $200 million market cap, that's what you say you, that's where you sort of draw the line? I draw the line there for liquidity reasons, because yeah. as this product goes to a billion dollars uh, and I have 2%, I got to be able to move $20 million yeah. to be 10% of a company. So yeah. I have to be sensitive over liquidity. Okay. And uh, yeah, so because I, I know there's a couple of other smaller royalties and, and streaming companies that I have my eyes on. I'm just... Uh, uh, I suppose they're too small at this stage. But anyway, I, I agree. The model is, is, is we wonderful. Own them. We own them, Jay, in world, in our in our World Precious Metals Fund. Uh, so we own a lot of the, um, down to new ones being created at 30 sure. million market caps. Sure. No, that's, uh, it's, it's really exciting. Well, what do you think, uh, Frank, what's driving this gold market? It's got to be just the money that's being pumped in to try to keep things uh, from from imploding in the economy right the federal reserve uh, negative interest rates is that the key is that the biggest uh, the biggest driver for gold well i, I think negative I, real rates let's put it that way i think there's no doubt that's what it is and uh but there's other factors to consider i i think um we have to take a look at um the, the, the leverage in the balance sheet, so when I said a couple beginning of this year, it could go to, gold could go to 10,000, you wouldn't have a war, you would have this unprecedented government spending. Yeah. And, and, and to take this market to where it is now, um, it would take $10 trillion and people snickered. Uh, and it looks like now, if you look at the previous cycle of 2008-9, they spent $3 trillion, $3 trillion the Fed balance sheet exploded to. Gold went from seven, $800 range up to 1900 So right. if you take a look at the amount of money being printed this year to deal with the pandemic, yeah. uh, we're talking about gold going to $4,000 over the next three years. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and what we have is synchronized 20 countries, the G20 countries, are synchronized in their taxes and regulations. They're synchronized now in the bailout of their economies with, with the pandemic. And the, so they're all organized and printing as much money. Uh, we've seen now $52 billion of the Fed going into corporate bond ETF. It's unprecedented. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so, that's really crazy. So Frank, gold trades much higher, and I think a lot of the gold CEOs are much more disciplined than they were before. Okay, yeah. Frank, with just 30 seconds left here, what about oil? Because oil is such a big driver, not only for your airlines, but also for the mining industry. What's your what's your uh, outlook for oil with 30 seconds? Uh, it's not, it's just a trading vehicle. It's not, it doesn't have the secular trend that gold has. Uh, if you're not long, you'd be wrong if you don't have a good exposure to gold stocks. And, uh, and I think in the by Christmas, a lot of the speculative ones will start to be taking off. A lot of the juniors will start to be lifting. Okay, but oil itself will remain uh, subdued? It's a trader. It's all for trading. If it, if it runs to $50, uh, the frackers come in and they'll suppress it. 
Okay. All right. Frank, thank you so much for your wisdom, your, uh, your knowledge. Uh, always refreshing to talk to you. Uh, you're a little bit more upbeat than some of my, list, some of my uh, guests, so it's always good to have someone like you uh, when times are not, uh, they seem to be a little dark and gloomy. Thanks so much for being with us today. All right. Thank you, my friend. Cheers. All righty. Cheers Bye. to you. All right, folks. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, Alistair McLeod will be with me next week. Michael Oliver is due to come back. And so until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 